Hail pummels the enemies of Israel before the sun stands still in the sky. Yahweh is moving heaven and earth for Israel as they strike back against their enemies. On The Bible Brief. Today is review day on The Bible Brief. If you haven't left us a five-star review on your podcast player, will you do that today? Reviews are a key way that new people find out about the show. There are days in each of our lives that stand out. Days that are highlighted on a calendar. Days that we remember each year as they pass. One may stand out for some achievement or milestone. Another may mark an anniversary or celebration. No matter who we are, we have these days. In any case, each of these days illustrates unique and special qualities. Something happened that makes that day different than all the others around it. A marriage, a declaration, a victory. But no day in history is like the day that happened over 3,000 years ago. No day before that, and none since, can claim the utter anomaly of that day. Because on that day, by the word of Joshua and by the power of God, the sun stood still in the sky. The day was lengthened and night delayed. That day was not 24 hours. It was something more. And it all started with an alliance of kings. The covenant between Gibeon and Israel was news that spread quickly throughout the southern area of the land of Canaan. And fear spread with it. The people had already heard that Israel was a formidable fighting force, with Yahweh their God and their army apparently unstoppable. Even before they had come into the land, they had racked up a set of military victories. But after their miraculous crossing of the Jordan, they had had even more. First, they had defeated the fortified city of Jericho. Next, they ambushed and conquered the city of Ai. But what sowed even more fear was this new treaty with Gibeon. Gibeon was a formidable city in its own right, with a trained fighting force. And that Gibeonite force was now backed up by the unstoppable Israelite army. The people in southern Canaan are trembling and their kings decide to take action with this new news out of Gibeon. We read this in Joshua chapter 10. As soon as Adoni Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and had devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, he feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were warriors. So Adoni Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham the king of Hebron, and Piram the king of Jarmuth, and Japhia the king of Lachish, and Debir king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered their forces, and went up with all their armies, and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. No sooner had the covenant been made between Israel and Gibeon than an alliance of five kings forms against them. Adoni Zedek, the Amorite king of Jerusalem, may have feared further covenants and alliances because of the people's fears of Israel, and he quickly forms an alliance with surrounding Amorite kings in an attempt to stifle the progress of Israel's advances. And this new Amorite alliance sends their unified army to the city of Gibeon to war against it. 
Meanwhile, Israel had actually gone back to their home base in the land. Ever since they crossed the Jordan, they had been encamped at a place called Gilgal, and that had served as their launching point for the offensives in the war so far. Now this is important, because Gilgal was about 20 miles away from Gibeon that was suddenly under attack by these five Amorite kings. Now 20 miles by car is nothing, but 20 miles marching to battle is a recipe for exhaustion. Gibeon needed help right now, and Israel was at least a day's journey away. You can imagine the scene when messengers from Gibeon arrive at Gilgal and hasten to speak to Joshua. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal. Joshua and his valiant men meet the emergency at Gibeon with incredible courage and fortitude. And rather than staying in the camp until daybreak, they set off at once to march through the night to confront the force of the five Amorite kings. They travel 20 miles, girded for battle, and finally come to Gibeon to face perhaps the largest army they had seen in the war for Canaan so far. But they weren't alone. God had said to Joshua that the men should not fear, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. I don't know about you, but seeing Jericho and the final battle of Ai, I would have marched that night with great confidence at the battle ahead. These warriors were perhaps beginning to learn that with God, the battle is won before it's even started. And the battle begins. Next we read this. And the Lord threw the Amorites into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon, and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon, and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the son of Israel killed with the sword. This must have been really something. Not only did Israel force this large Amorite force to flee from before them, but God showed his arm from heaven. God sent large hailstones upon the fleeing Amorites, and he sent so many such that God struck down more of the Amorites than even the army of Israel. Just as he showed his power to defeat the Egyptians at the Red Sea, so here he was showing his power to defeat the Amorite kings and their ill-conceived alliance. This victory at Gibeon was great so far, but what happened next would make this day a day to be remembered for ages to come. Because today would be the day when the sun would stand still. Joshua wasn't done with his battle against the Amorites. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when he gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven, and didn't hurry to set for about a whole day. There hasn't been a day like it before or since, when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. What an incredible few sentences. 
Joshua seeking to extend the victory and continue the conquest on the fleeing army, looks up at the sun and says to the Lord, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ijalon. It's as if Joshua is giving orders to the sun and moon, like he would give orders to the army of Israel. There's no pleading here, no doubt. There's simply the request that God would make the day continue so that the victory could be long and complete. Now, the writer of this account knows how wild this would sound to us as readers, and he wanted to be sure that we didn't dismiss this as mere poetry or exaggeration. So he mentions that this battle was also written about in another of the history books of Israel, the book of Jasher. And the writer clarifies that this day is as special as it sounds. He repeats the miraculous event in plain terms and says, The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and didn't hurry to set for about a whole day. That day wasn't 24 hours. It was more like 48 hours. An incredible event that involved God's delay of natural and universal laws. The Earth's spinning, inertia, gravity, and many other natural phenomena had to be altered for this event to take place. Rather than moving heaven and earth for Israel, God literally stops heaven and earth such that Israel could enjoy this great victory over the Amorites. That day will be remembered forever as the day that the sun stood still. The day that Israel was victorious over the Amorite alliance. The day that the Lord rained hailstones upon his enemies. But the day wasn't over. Next, we get more details about what happened that day with those five Amorite kings. While they had launched a surprise attack on Gibeon, they had quickly and severely been routed, and the five kings were now hiding together in a cave. Quite the reversal from less than 48 hours earlier. The five Amorite kings fled and hid themselves in the cave at Makeda. And Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave, and set men by it to guard them. But do not stay there yourselves. Pursue your enemies, attack their rear guard. Do not let them enter their cities, for the Lord your God has given them into your hand. When Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished striking them with a great blow until they were wiped out, and when the remnant that remained of them had entered into the fortified cities, then all the people returned safe to Joshua in the camp at Makeda. Not a man moved his tongue against any of the people of Israel. Israel continues this amazing day of conquest as Joshua commands his men to continue pursuing the Amorite soldiers to defeat as many as possible. All the while, Joshua has barricaded the five kings in their cave at Makeda. And something like an eerie silence settles upon the people of the land toward Israel. This day and this conquest was so stark, so unbelievable, so effective that we read that not a man moved his tongue against any of the people of Israel. No one would dare speak a word, lest this seemingly invincible army come against them next. But soon the battles were over, and it was time to deal with the five kings. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me from the cave. And they did so and brought those five kings out to him from the cave. And when they brought those kings out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war who had gone with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. Then they came near and put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid or dismayed, be strong and courageous. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward, Joshua struck them and put them to death, and he hanged them on five trees. And they hung on the trees until evening. 
But at the time of the going down of the sun, Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees and threw them in the cave where they had hidden themselves. And they set large stones against the mouth of the cave, which remain to this day. Joshua ends this battle by making an example of these five kings. He uses them as an illustration of what Yahweh will do to all their enemies dwelling in the land of Canaan. He will utterly, totally defeat them. Whether it be through water, through hailstones, through trumpets and shouts, or through the sword, God will grant his people victory over their enemies. Joshua says to his men just what God had said to him. He says to his men, be strong and courageous before they move on to the next battles. Join us next time as we see Israel conquer southern Canaan before turning their attention to the Canaanites in the north. Canaan is quickly becoming the land of Israel. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023